Hello and welcome to the Beyond the Mirror podcast. This week we will talk with Kim about her struggles with postpartum depression um, and how she has um, gotten through it and her birth story and all the crazy things. So please stay tuned and listen up because um, her story is quite inspiring. Everyone, we've got Kim here. So excited to have her here. And um, she's going to share her story story about postpartum and other life stories. So here she is. Go ahead, Kim. Okay. Well, um, a little bit about me. Um, I got married in 2020, as most people did. I feel like that was around the same time as me. Yeah. And so... Um, we did not want a baby during the pandemic. We were like, let's get married and let's wait like a couple of years and then we'll get pregnant. Well, um, <laughs> I got pregnant in 2021, like literally a month before our first year anniversary. And I was not expecting to be pregnant so soon. I got pregnant with Weston super quick. Um, Weston's my little boy. And um, it was like kind of frustrating because I told Luke, I was like, you got to know, Luke's my husband. You got to know that we may not get pregnant for a while. Like we just don't know what it's going to be like. Um, And he was like, oh, it's fine. Like, whatever my husband's so chill so he was like you we'll we'll just try and if we don't get it then we don't get it and I going into it I was like okay this may take a couple months it's really rare to get pregnant on the first try well I got pregnant on the first try and I was like I'm I'm blessed because I am so lucky to get pregnant so quick but I was not expecting it that fast. And so I was kind of freaking out. Um, for a while during my pregnancy, I was like, I, I hated the way that I looked. I hated the way I felt. I hated, I, I just, I hated pregnancy. And that's sad. You, you're, you're supposed to love it, right? Like, I feel like everybody has different experiences, but a lot of people love it. And I felt so guilty. Like, I should love this. I'm going to be a mom. This is so fun. Um, And it is now. But anyways, (laughs) so (laughs) while being pregnant, I found out that I had gestational diabetes. And that's when, like, your placenta isn't working right and your pancreas, they're not working together. They're kind of fighting each other. And so you and the baby have problems with blood sugar. Anyways, so I had that and I found out late because I also <laughs> I also had um, pneumonia for two months no. while pregnant. Oh. Yeah, I had... Yeah, it was a long, long time, and I just kept getting sick. It would just keep coming back, and um, I have psoriasis, too, so I get sick a lot in general, and then, like, on top of gestational diabetes, on top of being pregnant, like, it was just, like, I was constantly sick. I did not get COVID, 
though. Like I actually what? did not get COVID. I know. Oh, and I, and there was a few times where like my in-laws got COVID, my brother got COVID and I was pregnant and I just like stood away. Like, but then like I would miss them and I would go over and be like, I need like social connection with you. And anyways, um, and at the time we were living up north. So like Clearfield, Ogden area. Yeah. Um, he lived in a basement apartment there. Um, and it was great. Like I loved everything about it. It's just, I was getting sick all the time. I needed, I wanted to be by my family. So um, I would come down here where I live now in Harriman a lot. And then I would go stay at my parents' house a lot too, but they lived in Riverdale. Um, if you know where that is. It's right by Arkadin. Yeah. yeah. And so I um, was just going through the motions of just being sick all the time and not really knowing what to expect in motherhood. Like I, I wanted a baby, but I didn't think I was going to get pregnant that fast. So yeah. it was all just kind of a shock for me. And I didn't want to feel that way. And then I hated my body. And then I hated everything that was happening to me, it was just, like, all encasing into one, like, yeah, big problem. Yeah. And so I kind of just, like, was, like, this is my reality. I need to get over it. Like, this is what's going to happen. I got to be in my best mindset. And I think I just put a lot of pressure on myself. And this is just leading to, like, the birth. The birth um, with my son, I was, I had really high blood sugar still. And they were like, you're like 36 weeks. You could have this baby any day. We're not going to give you insulin because you're just going to get him out. Um, and my numbers weren't as bad as like somebody who needs like an emergency C-section like right now because then there would have been fluid in his lungs there's like literally you name it everything went wrong in my pregnancy and I also was contracting early on and like having real contractions and dilating and it was just crazy anyways so I remember this appointment so vividly because I was done I was sleeping like this in the night like sitting up oh my god yeah yeah I was sitting up sleeping and I just was like this is just not it I can't keep doing this it's making me insane I I accepted that I was going to be a mom I accepted the responsibility like it like I just wanted to be done at that point and my body was done being pregnant like done and it's also like kind of sad because I really wanted to have a lot of babies and this kind of experience my first time around sucked and made me not want to have a lot of babies anymore and that was really hard for me to accept too but I remember this appointment I went to my um fetal medicine guy specialist because I had to go to a specialist um, because my gestational diabetes and then pre-term labor contraction yeah. stuff. So I went to him and I was like, I'm just done. I can't keep doing this. And he just was like, 
talk to your doctor and say that you want to be induced early because I could say like you could be done and at this point I was 36 and two days I mean 30 yeah 36 and two days so I was like almost for full term right like full term is 37 but I just like couldn't do it anymore I begged and pleaded with him and he finally was just like yeah I'll send this to your doctor so that she knows and my doctor's so chill she's like actually one of my best friends now (laughs) it's so crazy (laughs) but like she is so great and so amazing but I just came to her and I was like I'm just not okay like I need to be done and I mean in the time I look back at that and I'm like no you the the circus hasn't even started yet like you are just in the the pre-beginning of crazy of stress of anxiety anyways I didn't realize that and um I just said I was like done and I was asked to be induced and then she was like honestly with um gestational diabetes babies they're shaped like a triangle um they're like shoulders are a lot bigger than the rest of their bodies and as well as their head so like westy now he's in like the 87th percentile in head but he's in like the third percentile in weight okay oh my gosh that's just how my child is that's just how he is but um he just was gonna be built like a triangle so they thought like this is your first pregnancy he's probably not gonna fit through your pelvis and I was like okay okay and then they were like um what about a c-section and I was like a c-section what like surgery and they were like, yeah, it would be so much better because then he would be out. We wouldn't have to monitor him, monitor him, monitor. Good job. You English. got it. Okay. <laughs> um, they wouldn't have to monitor him as much. And I was done with the whole monitoring and stuff. Like I was done and contracting and sick of my glucose. And I just was done. Anyways, you get the point. I was done. And so I said yes to the c-section and I had to sign like all these waivers and things because no one has done this like literally no one has done this other than my doctor my doctor actually um asked for a c-section rather than to push and she's an OBGYN like you like I'm gonna if she told me I could do it I could, she I mean if she can do it I can do it and so I was like okay sure I'll just do the C-section. I had to sign all these waivers. Like I said, like, no one does this. Everybody's wanting to push the baby out. Everyone. And I, I thought that's what I wanted to. But at the time, like, I had all these, like, factors against me of he may not make it out. He may not be able to get out. He may, like, drop in like uh, his blood sugar while you're trying to do active labor and push um his lungs were were filled with fluid and that's what happens with gestational diabetes too and so he could have pneumonia if we wait longer if he's in the womb so I was just like all this stuff was in my corner of 
you should get a C-section. This is the reason why. And so that's what I did. And I loved it. Like the C-section was not a big deal for me. That was, that was like a piece of cake compared to the whole picture that's coming, you know, like I was like, this is easy um, compared to like the stress and the, um, the obligation of taking care of this young baby. Anyways, so we go in and I'm getting my ID and you know how that goes. Like you get your ID, you get all this stuff and they, I kid you not, this is actually crazy. So they gave me four bags of saline. That's what you have to do for C-section. They give you four bags of saline so that your, like your blood is really like going through you know because if you lose a lot and you give yourself water then you're making a lot more yeah and so um they didn't want me to hemorrhage or like anything like that so there was like all that and I was like I have to pee and so I was like okay I go pee I come out the anesthesiologist is out there I'm butt naked you guys like I and then obviously like that's not weird because he sees naked women all the time but I am just like this is so embarrassing (laughs) I'm like this is so weird I can't and he like um is talking to me he's like oh I have four girls don't even worry it's like nothing to me and I was like okay like I'm like walking around him my butt is out like it's so embarrassing and I just am like he's like going through all those procedures and stuff like what he needs to do what's gonna happen and all this stuff and I'm like holy shiz I am not ready for this this is insane can I go like I was like this is not good and I'm looking at Luke my husband I'm like I don't think I can do this and he's like there's only two ways out Ken he's gotta come out and I just was like "Ah." and my adrenaline is so bad I'm shaking and the doctor's like trying to reassure me and I was like can I do like a a spinal tap and an epidural so I don't feel anything and he was like why would you want that (laughs) I was just like I don't know I just don't want to feel like anything because like I've heard that sometimes they have to do that um to make them more numb but I just like I literally don't want to feel anything and I think that was what my terror was it's not like having this baby it was like this is gonna hurt yeah anyways so we go into the operating room and (laughs) it took him I kid you not it took him like 20 minutes to get my spine to finally take the medicine oh my god yeah it's crazy so he's like going I don't you didn't have a c-section did you I didn't no but you had an epidural yeah oh yeah definitely yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I understand I get it (laughs) but mine was a spinal tap okay so it's like higher on your back and it goes like you get like a catheter I don't like they just put that ish all in and there has to be like and he's numbing my whole half of my spine right because if I feel any you're just like getting your pelvis and like your legs a little bit mine's like the whole thing literally the whole thing and it was numb on one side but it wasn't numb on the other and he just kept on being like 
tell me right if it's right because like I needed it to be on my right side because I could I couldn't feel anything on my left but he was like I am going seriously as deep and as right as I possibly can and I just was like this is not real life I'm like literally shaking thinking about it like I was so stressed I think that would be a traumatic thing for me next time. <laughs> uh, but, like, I seriously, like, he couldn't get it to work. And that was another thing that made me stressed. And so, anyways, obviously, he finally made it work. And um, Luke was like, there was blood everywhere. And I was like, don't even tell me that. <laughs> obviously, he didn't tell me during, but he yeah. just was like, there was, that was a fat needle in your back. Like, that was insane. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, oh, don't even remind me. It's so scary. Anyways, um, so they're doing the procedure. And I kid you not. I literally see everything. Literally. I see the C-section. Everything. Yeah, I saw everything. Oh my gosh. And it's because they didn't put the 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 shade up high enough. Uh, so I could see in the reflection of the uh the lights that were above. Like I could see my guts. Like my guts were out. Addy, okay oh my god I was so unwell it's <laughs> just like I mean and I was like I'm gonna grow up and he was like no 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 and like the anesthesiologist was like hurrying because like if I throw up I'll aspirate and die and so they were like no <laughs> they were like freaking out anyways so they got that calm and this is like five minutes in I'm already freaking out okay and um then I got calm because he, like, gave me some stuff to calm me down, too. And um, I think he gave me a Xanax. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I don't know what he gave me, but it worked. I was, like, so happy. Anyways, um, so I, I literally, I kid you not, um, they were like, we're going to pull him out now. And so my okay this is also crazy I have I'm like jumping all over and I'm sorry I love but it. like my doc yeah okay my doctor and the laborist I don't know if you know what a laborist is yeah do you know what a laborist is, is? yes but maybe okay okay, okay for the people listening they're now. married okay oh okay oh yes okay so a laborist yeah, they were married. And so a laborist is somebody who's like over the labor and delivery. And if one of the doctors can't come um, fast enough, they'll deliver the baby. So they're married. Okay. <laughs> they're literally talking about their children while they're doing my C-section. And we're like talking about golf. I played golf in college. We're shooting the breeze just to calm me down a little bit. Anyways, they finally get Weston out. That's my son. And while they're doing that, he's like, now I'm going to press on you. This like 250 pound man is about to press on my chest to push my baby out. Because they, they, they open like this much for the head to get out. So you got to like push in your guts to get the baby out. Okay. So he does that. And literally I thought I was going to stop breathing. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? 
And um, so he comes out, he comes sliding out um, because he has a ton of fluid because of the gestational diabetes and stuff. And he's not breathing. And that's where I was like kind of in a panic. Luke didn't want to tell me until later, but I was kind of in a panic because I didn't hear him cry. And so when he finally cries, like they know that like he has fluid in his lungs and they're really worried. So um, they let me see him for like about a second and then they swooped him away to the NICU. Like the NICU people were there, the team, and they were ready to like get him situated and see what's going on with him. Anyways, so after I'm done, they close me up. Um, I can't have Weston with me because the NICU team has to work on him and or see what his like uh, levels will be, if his breathing's okay, like stuff like that. And so I was really sad because I thought I could hold my baby like right away. I was going to do skin to skin. Like I wanted to do all those things and I couldn't because his lungs were so like full of mucus and like just like the the fluid banyard fluid water basically um that were just stuck still in and they told me that like he probably wouldn't have felt in my pelvis but the reason why sometimes it's better for gestational diabetes to go through the pelvis and have a vaginal um delivery is that they like you're almost like pushing um the water out of their lungs and so that's like one of the things that is beneficial but they said they were like I don't think you would have fit through your pelvis which that made me both more comforted because I was like I did the right thing okay but I couldn't see him and so they said we'll watch him for like a good chunk like five six hours of that day right after I had him I like I seriously I don't know what they gave me seriously probably a Xanax but I was just so happy <laughs> I just wanted to eat so bad I was starving because I didn't get to eat for like a long time and um I was starving so I ate and whatever and Luke's like I'm gonna go check on Western like do you need anything and I was like oh no you go Luke you're fine it's fine I'm eating my steak I'm eating macaroni and cheese like this is the best day of my life I love it like I don't know I'm not really even thinking clearly you know obviously and so um anyways he goes and he sees Weston and he takes pictures and he shows them to me and they were like he said like he's on oxygen and they're gonna test him in like an hour to see if he can go off um but they don't think that's gonna last but they hope they hope that it will anyways obviously that night he doesn't get to come with us to our room he has to stay in the NICU um and they said they were like it'll we'll just watch him for two or three days because nothing was wrong with him like he was perfect other than he had fluid in his lungs and that made me stressed um obviously so then the next day we go over this is february i had him on february 12th um and this was february 13th so the day before valentine's day so this day it was crucial because in a 24-hour like time frame a lot changes right because he's 
now out in the open and stuff like that. Um, so they took off his, um, cause sometimes they're in this like incubator and it's closed. He had yeah. to stay in the closed incubator for the night. Um, and I, I also, meanwhile, I'm not even breastfeeding. I don't know what I'm doing. This is like, no one's telling me anything. Like I didn't know I was supposed to be breastfeeding my baby right then and there. Cause I wanted to breastfeed. I just like, they don't tell me anything. I just am like, ah, ah. like I'm just like in my own little world. So I um, am like, okay, so do I get to breastfeed them or anything? They were like, not yet because uh, they were like, we, you can pump and stuff. Um, but just, we just don't want to smother him right now. We want to see what his levels look like. And when I started breastfeeding, he never latched correctly. So it was never probably going to work. But anyways, that's besides the point. Um, so I, the next day was, um, Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day was also crucial because, then they finally took off his um, incubator um, that he could like now he's off oxygen. He's breathing real air. They're trying to see him test because he's been doing so good. Um, and so they're hoping like the fluid will just disintegrate and clear out on its own. And it was, but the problem was now he was having sleep apnea and most babies, if not all babies, have sleep apnea it's just Weston was on a monitor so they saw it so obviously they can't they legally have to do something about it does that make sense oh yeah yeah so like yeah so they had to do something about it and he had to go back on oxygen but he could still be out in the open this is all on valentine's day and then later that night, they checked his belly ribbon, which is, like, your color, your melanin, your rug cell count, whatever. Um, and it was not good. So then now he had to be on lights. Oh, my god! So goodness. then he was on lights. He was on, yeah, he was on lights. He was on the blanket. He was on, like, he was still on oxygen and stuff. Um and so it was all in the matter of like two days where I was just like, holy cow, this is a lot. I started having a lot of anxiety. I started like being like, okay, uh, once that's cleared, then we can go home. Then we'll, the next step is to go home. And that was what they told me. They were like Thursday, they were like Thursday and this was like Tuesday. So in two days, they would be able to um, tell me more about like, when he could go home and whatnot and I was just thinking okay I just gotta wait two more days and then it would be Wednesday and they were like he's not going home not for a couple days maybe even a week and I was like what literally what you just told me like this was one more level and he'd be fine well then his sleep apnea kept coming back and um they obviously have like protocol and whatnot like if you have to touch the baby to wake them up to get them to breathe more that's a problem because obviously SIDS is like very real and scary and whatever anyway so then 
I just was like, oh my gosh, I just got to make it to Thursday. And that was the next day after everything the, of the like touching him to wake him up, to breathe and whatnot. I was like, okay, his belly ribbon was good. His sleeping went good. He, he didn't need oxygen for a couple days. He's okay. Well, then um, they were just like, we're really worried about his sleep apnea because it happened again that night, um, the day that we were supposed to go home. And so I was just like, Weston, be freaking for real right now. <laughs> like, let's get our stuff together. Anyways, so they were like, we're going to have to put him back on oxygen. And I, it just made me so upset because there was like empty promises. I left the hospital two days ago to go home and I'm leaving my baby, my brand new baby at this hospital and he's sick and I can't take him home. And my parents hadn't even met him. This is like a peak for him, peak COVID time. I couldn't even have my mom in the delivery room. I couldn't even have my in-laws come. I, I mean, like, seriously, it was insane. Um, and there was just a lot of anxiety of like, everybody's asking me, when does he come home? When does he come home? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is a lot going on. And at the same time, I'm pumping. And um, for me, pumping made me depressed um just because with everything going on I felt like it was another thing that I had to do or had to feel obligated to do so I was like oh my gosh I'm like so done so I stopped the whole pumping breastfeeding journey really early like two weeks I think I was really sad when we finally got him to come home he had to come home on oxygen and I kid you not, this would only happen to me. I know it would only happen to me. But his monitor, so he had an ox- he had oxygen and he had a monitor, a heart monitor, um, to measure his uh, stats about his oxygen level. And it broke. Okay? It broke no. first night. He came home from the NICU. It broke that night. Yeah. I, like, and that's when right then and there, I was like, I can't do this. Nope. I'm done. And I was like, I, I don't want anybody over. I don't want anybody to see me like this. I don't want anybody. And my mom was the only person that really knew what was going on. My mother-in-law, bless her soul. My mother-in-law was like, something's wrong with Kim. Like, you're going to tell me, Luke, like, tell me. Cause like my mother-in-law and my mom are like my best friends. And they were like, something is wrong. Why doesn't she want me to come there? And it was because I was literally depressed. Like, I was crying every second, saying, I don't want this baby. I don't want to take care of this baby. I can't do this. I'm a horrible mom. Like, you know, like, I just would go through these motions of constant something wrong with me. Like, I, why am I not loving this? And um, so she came up because Luke finally gave in. He was like, you know what? She's depressed. You need to come up. And so they came up, they cleaned my whole house. It was already clean, but they like reorganized everything because it made it more efficient. And it was, it was, and they got rid of stuff that we didn't need. And like, they brought us food, they bought us food. They did all these things. And I was just like, I I can't take care of this baby. I finally broke to my mother-in-law and I was like, I, I can't do it. I'm so depressed. And she was like, you're coming home with me. We're going to go home and I'm going to take care of this baby and you're going to rest 
and I will take the night shift. So she literally, I kidding not, took the night shift, I think four nights. Um, and I just slept and it like, seriously, I think it was sleep, like, uh, not having enough sleep that made me kind of more crazy, but I also was like very upset. Like I was obsessive over like, oh my gosh, like I'm a horrible mom. I'm not ready for this. I don't deserve this baby. This baby's perfect. I, 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 I can't handle the amount of work around this child and like my healing. And then it was just a lot for me and I couldn't process it. And I was really depressed because I just felt like, um, my life was over. <laughs> like Seriously. I was like, Luke, our life is over. It's done. It sucks. We're over with, like, we're never going to do anything fun ever again. And this is just it. Like I, I can kiss everything that I wanted to do goodbye. Like it just felt like in high school, you know, where you're like, oh, this is my life right now. Like, oh, this is forever. This is my world. And that's just what it felt like. And I was so grateful that my mother-in-law just completely like sweeped me and was like, yeah, you're coming home with me. I'm going to fix this. Let's go. You can't be here in a like on your own obviously like I don't trust you like it wasn't like I don't trust you with your child it was like I don't trust you with you not meaning like I was suicidal or anything like that but I just was like I just don't want to be here anymore not like I want to die but like I just don't want to be in this situation anymore and um she was just like you're coming home with me (laughs) and I was like okay so it got better after that but it was just a lot to process and a lot to um, go through at the time of every every little thing happened within like I kid you not like a month. It was a lot. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the basis of it. Um, okay, now we're gonna ask him some questions. Do you have? Do we have you? Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yes, so- there we go what how did you get I mean obviously your mother-in-law helped but how did you get out of that state of that depression that not feeling like you wanted to be a mom and do anything like what what advice do you have from your experience um it's kind of tricky um I don't really know I just kind of pulled myself out of it because I had so much help and I realized I have so much help. It's not just like me and Luke. It's, we have our whole families. I think it's more, I want to say stereotypical that people don't want their family coming over for a certain like extended of time. And I thought that's what I wanted to, but then I like realized, oh, I kind of need them like to be able to do this um especially when I was transitioning from working full-time to now I'm a mom and I stay home with this baby um so I needed help um while Luke worked and he still worked from home but it's just hard that dynamic um so yeah I think I let go of the stereotypes and I let go of 
pushing people away um and I just let people in for a long time I was like oh I'm gonna do this on my own and I've got this and I can do this but then it the reality obviously kicked in and you were like you can you're awesome if you can but I couldn't and so I needed to let that go um so yeah and I've I've taken um antidepressants slash anxiety meds for um, almost four years okay so I that helped me a lot too because I was on my lowest dose ever because I was trying to get off of it but um it had like they said that it would give potentially complications to Weston but I needed to like pick and choose obviously and so I tried to go low 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 and I think once I started going to my normal dose that helped too yeah um I probably should have gone to therapy because I I literally I probably should have but um I didn't and I I think that's also like my degrees in marriage and family therapy oh awesome Um, so I kind of was like I can do it on my own (laughs) but I definitely definitely couldn't so uh if it wasn't for like my mother-in-law and my family like stepping in I probably would have had to go to therapy and I probably would have had I don't know what would have happened. Luckily, I didn't get to know what happened, but yeah, I uh, probably should have went to therapy. <laughs> Kim, I'm so glad. Um, so for you ladies out there that are a mother, I mean, for me, postpartum depression hit around like 10 months and I really hadn't heard about that ever. And then I was talking to my other friend who had a baby yeah. around the same time as us and same thing. She's like, yeah, around like 10, 11 months. It was like, wow. because she was staying at home mom all the time, you know? And it was yeah. the same kind of thing for me. I was a stay-at-home mom until um, the beginning of this year. Cause I was like, the same thing hit where I was like, I need to do something different. Like this is, so it's normal for it to hit at any point. And so when you start to feel those things, go talk to someone, whether it's your family or yes, because seriously, like, I don't know. Cause for me, it was the same thing. Like I wasn't like letting my husband help. Like I just wasn't, I was like, I'm the mom. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. And so it, it's just that same, mm-hmm. same idea of like, you need to let people help you. Um, and it's so hard yeah, to totally. put, that, put that aside sometimes. And be like, you also lived like far, you kind of lived in California, right? Like you live yeah. in California. And so your mom was not there. So you kind of really had your own, like yeah. yourself. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. So like the first three months of my daughter's life, that's how it was. Like it totally was that way where it was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like my husband was gone a lot of the time he had, yep. thank goodness the military gives a really great parental leave. And so he was, I think he had six weeks off where he was just home, but my yeah. mom was there for two of the weeks and his parents were there for one of the weeks. And so it felt like I had a lot of help, but thankfully I, no, I felt like I could handle it okay. I just knew that I had to do it on my own. But then when I moved here and I could get the help, it was like, why would I ask for that help? I'm the mom. I'm the one that decided to have a kid like this. And then finally, I just was like, no, I need to do what I need to do to 
be a stable human being. And so it's the same. It's the same. It goes for if it starts from the very beginning, it goes for if it starts in the middle, the end, or even like, I would even say probably like when they hit a year, because then they start going through, we were talking about this before we started the recording, but they go through all the tantrums and it's like really hard (laughs) and it's hard to deal with the new changes. And so totally, totally. So I guess Kim yeah. now yeah. When- and sleep regression is insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Sucks bad. So Kim, for you right it's now, anyways, you're saying come up. So for you right now, when those feelings come up, what do you do right now? Like when I feel depressed that way, I'm like yeah. insane, anxious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot better for me now because I was living in like a basement apartment. So it's really dark, right? Like, especially where I was living, it was just, it was so dark. Like literally there was probably about, I can count four windows, like maybe four. Oh, and this was like an older house. So that was another thing. Like my in-laws were like, we're moving them out. And I, we are so incredibly grateful because they own where we live now. They own our house now. And we are just so incredibly grateful that they were able to do that. But without that, I think that was also another thing to go off this question and the last is like, I needed to get sunshine. I needed to get like out of where I was living. And um, I needed to let go of what I felt was comfortable before um, because it's like it we're far past that now right like comfortable was like gone when you had the baby I mean well before you even had a child like it was gone when you found out you were pregnant yeah and so I just think that I needed to get outside number one and I needed to raise my dose of medicine and I needed to have more mom friends because a lot of my friends from high school and my childhood best friends they don't have kids and they're not married and that was really hard for me because I felt like also no one understood me you know and so like it was really hard in that sense so I had to make new friends I had to so I was grateful for my ward because there was a ton of new families. There was a ton of people who were pregnant and were going to have babies like within the month. And I had just had Weston like a month and a half ago and moved here, but like they would have been best friends. Now my, one of my best, best, best friends is who I did a podcast. Four months younger than Weston. And they are literally friends and I mom friend even if it's just one person whether you talk to them every day whether you talk to them like once a week or you get together once a week or however like I think that's so crucial because you feel number one less alone two they you can talk to somebody about it that understands and three you're able to get out and find a new comfort you know like for her and I we go and we go to to like lunch or we'll go to Thanksgiving point and bring our boys and stuff um well oh. or like 
like something that we can do together and they're just there. That's just so crucial. And also doing things without your baby. That was really hard for me too, for a really long time. Because like you said, I'm the mom. I'm supposed to be taking everything. Like not only do I have this husband that like kind of depends on me because I'm the mother, you know, like he's working and I don't want to feel like make him feel like it's a burden or to like have like be so stressed like I was because I feel like in a way and this may be controversial but a woman and like the motherly like within you like it's so real and you just know what to do and for men it's a little bit harder because they they don't have that second nature like how us women do we grew that baby we we know that baby you know and so yeah that was really hard for me to like be like I need to get out and leave my husband and my baby here even if it's for an hour I have to get out because it's gonna make me go insane um another thing that like really scared me too and I I should mention this because I feel like a lot of people have this problem too is I had the nighttime scaries. You know how like people have like the Sunday scaries where like they have to go to work the next day. I had the nighttime scaries where I was so scared about he's not going to be able to sleep. I'm not going to be able to sleep. Luke's not going to be able to sleep. This sucks. But in the end, like you just like push through. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but you just push through and it gets better every single day. So I feel like as anybody who's listening that is a new mom or is about to become a mom or is in like this like sleep regression like I promise you it'll get over and you're gonna be like oh that wasn't that bad I guess like I don't know like it's just you have to experience it and without experiencing it you're not gonna like understand does that make sense like I just feel like you're not gonna understand unless you go through it yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kim, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share with those listening? So just for sure, if you have postpartum depression or if you even have any thoughts of like, oh, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to live with this little human and you're upset or you're anxious and you have obsessive thoughts, like, please talk to somebody because I promise you there are so many people and it takes a village to even raise one child, let alone like a ton of them. Okay. I have taken care of, I have a neighbor upstairs and she is going through postpartum depression. I just take her kids. Sometimes I just show up and I'm like, Hey, um, you need to go take a nap. I'm going to take the kids. They're going to come down here with me. I'm taking your newborn baby. I'm sorry, but you need to go to sleep. I know you're worried, but she will be fine. You need to go. And it helps her so much. Like sometimes you just need to be that person that is like, you need to go. You need to go relax. You need to, but you need to talk to them too, you know? So I think it's just lean on somebody who you can trust, whether that's a friend, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your bishop's wife. Sometimes (laughs) for me, I love my bishop's wife. Sometimes it's just the most random is people that you just have to be like, 
okay, blah, like, here's all the stuff that's going on with me. And most likely, they're going to find a solution for you, or you're going to come up with one on your own together, though. Like, together, you need somebody else, not just your husband, not just you. You need to find somebody else to help you because that takes a lot, but it's going to be beneficial in the end. Definitely. Well, thank you, Kim. Um, and she does have a podcast. It. It's I'm coming over and it's the cutest podcast ever. So go listen. Uh, yes. And thanks for being here, Kim. It was so Please wonderful listen. to chat with you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode on the Beyond the Mirror podcast, um, Women Embracing Self-Love and Healing. If you or anyone you know has a story to share, whether it be mental health, eating disorders, body image issues, um, and you want to inspire others, please send me an email or a DM on my Instagram. Uh, My email is on the screen and my Instagram is at health.hairwithad. And I'd love to hear from you and I'm sure others would love to be inspired by you. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.